Citizens of Ohio, rejoice. It's time for the Pat's Pines Podcast. That is a reason to rejoice. Absolutely. How are you doing tonight, Mark? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, bud. All righty. Well, there's been a lot going on in the world of beer since the last time we were on the air. What's been going on? Well, we had the BrewDog AGM Annual General Mayhem. Did that you- was quite a deal. You know, I couldn't go out to that, and neither could you, but I was over there the following morning. I got to tour around the place. We got some reports from the field, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of breweries turned out for it, and I think it was a pretty well-attended event. I heard over a 1,000 people came. Not bad. Uh, looks like a massive space. No brewing equipment as of yet. I heard they had some pretty good beers on tap. From what I hear, the Ohio brewed BrewDog beer should be hitting the market in February. Oh, cool. Yeah, that'll be great. We'll see if they hit the projections. The initial ones were kind of ambitious. Uh, Now, the other news that was announced is the location of the Columbus Taproom. From multiple sources, as James was giving the slideshow, the red center block building that is currently an auto garage kind of catty corner from Land Grant Brewing Company on Town Street that was shown to be the in-town taproom. Cool. Well, Auto Garage fits the MO of a brewery taproom, and I guess you guys are probably excited to have them as neighbors. That would be really fun. Now, the other thing is I got a text on the way over here from Fred Lee of Actual Brewing wanting me to go out for trivia today. He also wanted to remind me that today is National Taco Day. Well, how convenient that we just had tacos. It was good that we got tacos, even though we got kicked out of the house into the garage. But that's a good segue into our next piece of news, which is the announcement that Actual Brewing is going to be opening a tap room also in town. That will be right here in Clintonville. Coming pretty close to the uh, Pat's Pints World headquarters, isn't it? That is correct. Down in the old flower shop that's on the strip mall that's in the Lucky's parking lot. Yes, sir. Now, have you heard anything about what this new tap room is supposed to be about? I think there's going to be some sloppy joes in there is what I heard. Yep, that's the centerpiece of the food menu from what I've been told, which at first glance you might think, oh, sloppy joes. What are they going to do with sloppy joes? But I hear they're going to do a lot of things with sloppy joes. Lamb sloppy joes, chickpeas sloppy joes, I don't know, maybe even trout sloppy joes. Any of these sandwiches as sloppy as you want, right? (laughs) You can, you can. And so we're parsing things, first of all, coming from Fred. And secondly, that last part about trout I just made up. But anyway. Last time I saw him, he had Hans in a chokehold trying to talk him into making pretzels. Oh, yeah. Hans's pretzels are out of this world. Kind of an ongoing chess match for Fred to get Hans to uh, make pretzels for the tap room. So we'll see where that goes. That's right. I'm rooting for Fred. In other news, I could not go to the BrewDog AGM meeting because that's when we were having the King of Ohio tasting down at the North Market. Yep. Together with some other beer bloggers around the state, Rick Arman, Tom Aguero, Ron and Corey from Toledo, we said, let's try and pick the best Ohio brewed session beer. And so we invited every brewery in the state. We ended up with about 60 entries. We had to collect all those things, bring them to Columbus. We had 14 judges and sat down and evaluated them. And it was a lot of fun. You had four categories, is that right? Four categories. We had the Lager Kolsch category. And, and the winner in that category was from Willoughby Brewing in Northern Ohio. And that was Coffee Kolsch. Session Ales category, which encompass a lot of different things. Actually, we're just drinking the last of one of those right here as we're talking. This is the Clear Sky Daybreak, the coffee-infused, vanilla-infused cream ale from Wolfsridge. It's good to have leftovers. Yeah, that's always kind of a bonus, having a big tasting. We had the Session IPA category. I think there were 20 Session IPAs entered, and the winner was Common House Ales, Summer Sesh. In the wake of the fire. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've had they've had some uh, hardships to go through, haven't they? So, yes. Now, we just had a Summer Sesh. It's pretty tasty. 
You know, it's got a nice uh, malt to it for a, for a session IPA, both oats and wheat. And yeah, it's, it's unique. So get out and try it for yourself. And in the sour category, probably the biggest surprise, the winner. And this is not only the winner of that category, but the whole thing, right? Absolutely. The king of Ohio session beers is from Ohio's newest brewery, at least at the time of, that I'm talking. And that would be Streetside Brewing in Cincinnati. I'm embarrassed to say I've never even heard of them. Well, you have now. I'm going to check them out. Yeah. And, and their beer was a kettle-soured raspberry Berliner Weiss called Raspberry Beret. Cool. One more piece of beer activity that I just want to report is that I, I went on a Columbus Brew Adventures tour. Jim Ellison invited me to go along to the Granville tour, which stops at Buckeye Lake, Homestead Brewing. And then the highlight really was going to Granville Brewing. The brewery itself is like in one of the owner's like man cave, kind of like this barn off the side of his house that's decorated with Pabst Blue Ribbon stuff everywhere and has like big screen TVs and just a hangout spot. All right. But they are really rocking the Belgian beer out there. Yeah, cool. Making a great Saison, a really good triple, and then even a Flanders Red. So, one of my favorite styles. So they're going to be expanding. They bought a seven-barrel system from Buckeye Lake, and so I would tell everyone to, A, you might want to get on the next Granville Beer Tour, and B, keep your eye open for uh, Granville beers out on the market. Nice. Now, upcoming things. Yeah. Drink local. Drink often. You know what we've got this month? Land Grant Brewing Company turns two years old. Two years old. It's, it looks like it could be the best two-year birthday party I've ever been to. It's going to be on October 22nd. Okay. From noon to midnight. It's going to be an all-dayer. All right. Uh, there will be bands that play all afternoon. You're going to have Johnny's band? No. Oh. It'd be all right, though. <laughs> that would be okay. After the afternoon of live entertainment, we'll be showing the Penn State, Ohio State football game. That's a night game, isn't it? That's a night game. 8 p.m. start, and uh, that'll be on a huge projection screen in the lot next to us. This is going to be an indoor-outdoor party. Okay. And what and about the beer? We'll have 30 of our own beers on taps. tap. We'll have both the home and away board inside. We'll have some timed out releases. Okay. The Daily Growler van will be outside pouring guest beers, and those will be friends of the brewery, people we've done collaborations with. Well, I heard our guests... Later on in the podcast, the Little Fish, they're sending you something, aren't they? That's right. They sure are. Some good stuff. What about the Land Grant beers? Are we going to see, is this going to be the return of the Brinestone Cowboy? It will not, but you'll be excited to know that Pool Party will be back on tap. Hey, I am excited about that. You know, I like Pool Party Pilsner more than you give me credit for. Great malt Pilsner character in that beer. But uh, come on, let's, so for the listeners, let's hear about at least one beer that's sort of pretty special. I heard there's something, a uh, couple involving a barrel. Yes, sir. Is it going to uh, break the 12% uh, ABV limit? I don't believe so. Okay. Well, that's probably just as well for the party goers. Yes, sir. Don't miss it. Well, we shouldn't just blather on forever. we got some great guests. We're going on the road today. Going on the road. This is our first on-location podcast we've done so far, and uh, what a great road trip it was. Yeah. Head down to Athens, out in the grounds, if you will, of the Little Fish Brewing Farmhouse Brewery on the uh, eastern edge of Athens. And so please stay tuned because you're going to want to hear what Sean and Jimmy have to say about Little Fish Brew. This is our first time on the road. We're down at Little Fish in Athens with Jimmy Stockwell and Sean White. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Tell us a little bit about Little Fish. Sure. Uh, well, we, uh, we brew beer, and uh, it's craft beer. 
Uh, <laughs> it's been uh, a good beer yeah. too. I'll, I'll go ahead and say. <laughs> Thanks, Mark's a man. Um, yeah, I, I guess we uh, we brew like farmhouse focused, like not exclusively Belgian, but we really like our farmhouse saisons and sour beers, and we also have a very local ingredient emphasis and sustainability focus in the business that we really try to stick to on a fundamental level. We're really looking to you know keeping this earth a good place and using great stuff from local suppliers and kind of just working with growing that side of the business too. From the beer aspect of it to the location aspect, we sort of built a location or a destination that we enjoy. We've got this really nice big outdoor relaxed area, a tap room where you're basically in the production brewery. You get a lot of experience there. We're family friendly. All the things that we look at when we're going to a brewery to have a day and enjoy ourselves. So with the good beer and the good location, sort of what we're going for. Yeah, it's a winner. I guess I should tell people that we're actually outside right now. Yeah, it's a great setting here. We got the river down the hill there. Yep. There's a railroad railroad track right here. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. One of the main selling points of this location for us was that the bike path wasn't here when we were first starting to look at the building, but when we heard that the bike path was coming here, it helped us sort of surmount um, some of the difficulties of the location because we just really wanted to be you know, more sustainable, more tied into um, other forms of transit besides driving, and it's just nice to take a bike ride and uh, come out and enjoy a beer. So. How, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. How long has it been here? About a year. Nice. How long is the ride into Athens? It's literally on the other side of the river right there. Okay. Um, that's the west side. And if you go that way, how far does the bike trail go? Well, it goes all the way to um, the east side of Athens, but then northwest, it'll go all the way to Nelsonville. Okay. Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's a nice little ride. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a real nice bike. Now, what was here before you guys came? Uh, it, the brewery itself, was that a, an existing building? Yeah, it was, uh, you could you could call it a building. <laughs> it was a defunct auto shop. Okay. Basically, it was just a 64-foot by 40-foot pole barn, uh, one large open room, metal walls on the outside, and then no walls on the inside, just really old fiberglass insulation up on the walls, and it was taken over by mice, and it was like a storage unit for you know a bunch of crap from the apartments up there and no running water or sewage drains whatsoever it's pretty much just a big box while we say we didn't build the building the only thing that is still from when we moved in three sides of metal and the and the wood structure itself Mm -hmm. and everything else has been replaced i guess except for some of the concrete floors is still original but we had to install water and sewer and and full disclosure, everybody thought we were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, why are why Athens? Are you guys from Athens? Maybe, and also, yeah. how, how did you meet? And how, how did this? Sean uh, and I have known each other since sixth grade, and we are both from Athens. We both have young families, and we just really wanted to a stay here and b like create kind of a family atmosphere that was not like lacking in Athens but like could use more of sure you know there was definitely like a, a void it's awesome I think a, there's a baby shower going on right now yeah. can't get any more family friendly than that yeah yeah and I mean the new mother she's drinking the light beers so you know <laughs> um, you know we've read the, the European reports we have an open mind about that so <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we make uh, we make a ginger ale and a seltzer. We we've got some non-alcoholic options, and uh, yeah. you know, we just I think we're very proud of the fact that we get a very wide range of people out here. It's not just older professionals. It's not just students. There's just you know a wide range of the people from the community come out here and yeah. have been really enjoying it and telling us how much they have, and um, just feels like really fulfilling to hear. And even like uh, you know growing up here growing up as part of the community but then creating like a community space that integrated so well into Athens and becoming even more tied to the community as a whole yeah. uh, feels really great didn't you guys win an award for uh, like best new business in Athens or something like that Is yeah it? yes yeah? so that's kind of and a testament is, yeah. to what the community thinks yeah yeah that was great we also got uh bragging rights a little bit here but uh great beer last year gave us the best new brewery in ohio and we know that was out of at least like 27 breweries so yeah that was pretty awesome we had we had no idea that was coming i think it's even more fun sometimes when you're not expecting an award and then somebody's yeah. just like here's an award yeah absolutely <laughs> and one of our favorites for sure jimmy knows we come down for the ohio beer week first stop as soon as we get down here before we even check into the hotel this is the first place we hit. So. Thank you. That's awesome. Love it. Well, you mentioned the World Beer Cup. Might as well go ahead and elaborate on yeah, that while yeah. we're talking. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. How Thanks. exciting was that? Well, you know, you're there. I know. <laughs> I was there. It was great. It was great. It was that was party. insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a tell, big surprise. We should maybe tell everyone what the award, it was for the, the uh, barrel aged wood thrush. Yes. In, in the, that was the Belgian and French ale category. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. and it got gold, and that was... That is awesome. I just remember standing there and, you know, as they're putting the awards up, and they announced what got third place, and I'm, you know, hopeful, and then they were not, announced what got second place. I was hopeful, and then we didn't get that, and I was like, oh, fuck it, I'm not paying attention anymore. And then first place, wood thrush. <laughs> And it was insane. We I think just I, jumped oh, up. And yeah. So so that was great. And then and then we went up on stage and we got the award. And then we got off a of stage and there's all of the Ohio breweries there <laughs> yeah. with uh, Mary, our OCBA executive director, just at the end. And we all went out and partied. And oh, it, it was a great. great. Time, yeah. man. I clapped my hands off when you guys. Were <laughs> yeah. On stage. Thank you. That was awesome. Awesome. But it was you know it was a surprise. I think we'd been already passed over for a couple of the beers that we'd entered and it's always a little bit of a crapshoot whether you know even if you have a great beer sure. whether or not you're going to get a medal and i certainly didn't really know what to expect but yeah but it was it was, it was yeah. good certainly I mean, an honor yeah it's yeah. gotta be certainly an honor and, and it's awesome to win an award and like from a practicality standpoint it means a lot to a young brewery that's trying to make a name for themselves yeah but i mean on the other hand it's a very subjective award-winning process, and there may have been any number of beers, you know, on the, those same beers could have got judged the next day, and, you know, we might not have placed it all. So you just yeah. keep it in perspective. It's an awesome honor, but it's it's nothing to get cocky mm. about. I can't, I can't say we could ever <laughs> repeat it. We might, hopefully, but, you know. Yeah. A little bit about your background before you came here. Um, I homebrewed for like a ton of years. Jimmy and I did some homebrews back in the day. Um, probably they weren't very good, I'll be honest. <laughs> that was back when it was. Yeah. Uh, we were all we, trying to make our way from the joy of homebrewing. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, like, yeah. And not even not even like new copies of the joy of homebrewing. <laughs> I moved to New York City. Got very involved in the homebrewers guild there. I worked as an intern at Six Point in okay. Brooklyn for a little bit, and then. Um, I moved with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. We moved to Portland, Oregon, and that was around maybe 08, 09. Moved to Oregon, 
I worked for a mobile bottling unit for a while. You kind of got to get into like yeah, being, yeah. being an actor going to like, Hollywood. Yeah, or you just um, yeah. We talked about how Portland is Hollywood for brewers, but uh, <laughs> I interned for Upright Brewing Company. Okay. Um, and I eventually landed a job with Alameda Brewing Company, who was uh, one of the clients of the mobile bottling company. And so I worked there for a year. Um, I worked at Cascade, being a pretty low man on the brewing totem pole at Cascade for a year, but that was, you know, it's a pretty awesome brewery, an offer though. I couldn't refuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah one of my fa- uh, yeah. one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, and then um, started getting to know Brad um, remotely. Brad from Jackios, uh, the brewmaster there, he recruited me to come back to Ohio to work at Jackios, and okay, I spent a couple years up at the pub brewing up there. And Jimmy, then- Jimmy, and I were uh, also spending a lot of time getting our plans together for Little Fish while we were still at our previous jobs. Yeah, it's a lot okay. of work, a lot of work opening a brewery. Now, what's your background, Jimmy? When Sean and I started planning the brewery, I was a scientist at a biotech company here in Athens. I made molecular diagnostics for like the flu and, and stuff like that. Okay. So kind of highly complex, FDA regulated diagnostic tools. Okay, so a microbiology? Uh, molecular biology. Molecular yeah, biology, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, maybe we should have some beer and talk about yeah, beer. Yeah, we definitely should. Yeah, let's crack something. Right. Maybe start I think with we should start with sunfish. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, maybe why don't we start for yeah. everyone to say, what is a farmhouse ale? I mean, you know, you see that term a lot. And that means different things to different people, I suppose. Right, because, I mean, I don't see a house here. (laughs) But it is kind of a farm. Um, I mean, I think it's one of those Belgian terms that sort of defies an accurate description. Like, stylistically, you know, we're talking about a broad category of beers that were traditionally literally brewed in farms in Belgium or France. It's typically Saisons or, or beer to guards, but beers that would have had a very rustic component and that would have uh, used ingredients and techniques that were just based on what was available on the farm. Right. And know. I guess I might say that the yeast is one of the central things of farmhouse ale, Absolutely. right? That, that yeah. Saison type uh, yeast. I mean, Saison specifically, like actually Saisons and beer to guards, if you look at like the rigid style categories that we have these days, they're pretty far apart. I mean, beer to guards are largely, in my opinion, like kind of boring compared mm. to Saisons. They're kind of just like sort of amber, lagery, slightly rustic French ales. Yeah. And then you have your Saisons. I mean, one of the main things people say, as you're saying, Pat, is that they're very yeast-driven flavors. You have to use a specific Saison-style yeast that is uh, typically going to ferment a lot hotter than your average ale yeast. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get a lot of fruity or bubblegum components off of it. And some phenolics that will be uh, more on the on the spicy side, right. spicy or peppery. It's not the same as a Trappist ale yeast from Belgium, where Trappist yeast, you're getting more of like banana, bubblegum, and clove. Those flavors aren't really the same. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a distinct yeast. And then, I mean, the other thing is really traditionally any Saison you would have had would have been a mixed fermentation. There would have been some level of wild yeast or lactic bacteria or both okay. in with the primary yeast. You know, you get a lot of complexity, especially over time, by having that mixed fermentation and, and maybe uh, less predictability. When I first started drinking Saisons, you know, a very straightforward hoppy Saison was like 
it was the shit, you know, it was the best thing I could have. <laughs> and now I try some certain beers like that and I'm like, oh, it's, it's good, you know, and then I try some of these ones with the mixed fermentations, a little bit of Britannomyces in there. And it's just like, man, this is amazing. You yeah. know, it's just so complex it's, and you could just want to drink it all day. And it's, it adds a whole nother level dry. of complexity, yeah. doesn't it? So sure. this, is, this is Sunfish. So this is a and beer that we made in support of and to call attention to a solar array that we will be installing here at Little Fish. So the proceeds of this bottle go to that project. The beer itself is similar or like started out similar to another beer that we had done, Poisson Grand. It's kind of a bigger farmhouse ale. Uh, this one is at what, 7.1 um, ABV. We just really liked that little bit more intense farmhouse mm. ale. This I one could, has a little bit more tartness than its cousin, uh, Poisson Grand. I, I want to yeah. cut in for a minute and say yeah. I, I could smell this all day. I mean, the, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's delicious. And, yeah, uh, it is. Got, We're real proud of this one in particular. The character is really yeah. nice in it. It's got a nice tartness. Yeah. And a little bit, does this have some bread in it? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah uh, it's got some bread. It's got some lacto. Um, it's not a, you know, we. I would not call this a sour beer. Um, you know, some right. people, you know, on the internet are like, oh, it's a sour beer. Um, yeah, it has some elements of sourness, but it is, uh, I'd say it's more tart than sour. Yeah, I would agree with you. Know, you. Yeah. Um, mainly with this one, we wanted to do two things. One was really just use like as much local stuff as possible. So it has uh, locally malted grain. It has malted spelt that's malted and grown in Ohio. It has Ohio wildflower honey. Tried to get some Ohio hops, but that didn't really work out for one reason or another. Um, but just really trying to build off of that, you know, that idea of sustainability and, and uh, local flavors. Um, and then um, in addition to that, just kind of the concept of, okay, this is a beer to fund a solar project. Like, let's try to capture a lot of those bright, sort of sunny, summery flavors. Just like a, like a really refreshing and slightly tart beer. Our finish is really dry too. Yeah, Thanks. yeah, which is, which is good for any beer, but also particularly for a yeah, beer, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And you know, we like them uh, with a lot of carbonation too. Yeah, um, it's been kind of nice if if we get this kind of effect where you open the bottle and it it doesn't jump out at you, but like it's starting to slowly the bubbles are starting to slowly creep up towards the top, and it's like, oh man, we just nailed it. It's like super carbonated, but it's not so carbonated that it you know blows, it blows yeah, the top. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Sean, I would definitely say uh, nailed it indeed, yeah. and uh, well done, gentlemen. Hey, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Excellent. So, yeah. yeah, so all of the all of the saisons we do so far, anything we do in bottles, it's going to have at least Britannomyces and possibly also bacteria. And anything that we do with Brett, for the most part, is uh, is barrel aged. So this spent some time in some Cabernet barrels, but a fairly short turnaround. It's not a full on sour beer. It's maybe okay. sixty to ninety days in oak. What uh, what strain of Brett do you use? Uh? Um, I'm still playing around. I okay. think this one had Brett Brux and Lambicus. Well, let's talk about local ingredients. I mean, you guys brewed. I think the first example of a beer made entirely from Ohio ingredients. I read that anyway. Is that true? Uh, we believe that it was. We uh, sourced Ohio hops, uh, Ohio grown and malted barley. Yeah, um, that's the key distinction too is the barley was grown and malted because we're still working with our main malt supplier, House Malts. They started by using barley from Maine because the Ohio crop last year was 
not so hot. So okay. we're they are just now starting to yeah. get into using Ohio grown barley to malt in. Um, the, the malt that we used for, we call it no fracking way. <laughs> um, but uh, the malt that we used for no fracking way was from Rustic Brew Farm. Right? It's in uh, Marysville, Ohio. He grows and malts that himself. And the hops were from Ohio Valley Hops. Actually, I think the beer turned out fantastic. Yeah. Pilsner like hoppy ale. I really like to drink it. So yeah, um, but that was that was a cool distinction. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you guys know what is the status of Ohio grown pelletized tops that you could use year round as opposed to just? In We've the had some samples come in, and um, I think they're they're definitely getting there. The ones we saw were still a little not um, macerated quite enough. Uh, okay. I guess is the word, but it's so, not chopped up. Um, enough, mean, basically. Yeah. The malting industry and the hop growing industry in Ohio are both very nascent mm-hmm. industries. Um, we have some people that are really getting into it and passionate about it, but it's still a pretty small scale. You know, growing three acres of hops, it's a lot on, on one hand, but on the other hand, um, you know, the industrial farmers of hops are growing, you know, possibly like thousands of acres right. of hops. So what we want to do as a brewery is just support them and be there to, you know, you know, quality matters. We don't just buy anything we see, but... We want to be there um, for these people to enthusiastically use the ingredients because it's just great for everyone. And I mean, personally, growing up in Athens, I mean, there's there's a whole culture of the value of using local ingredients that it contributes to the local economy. And, and you know, Southeast Ohio is fairly downtrodden economically. Like we can use sure. all the help we can get here. Just the fact that it's typically healthier, sometimes more flavorful, and definitely contributes the flavors of the region, you know, an individuality to the product. A lot of times it's more sustainable, or at least it doesn't have to travel so far there's not as much Mm. uh, fossil fuel consumption and getting it from one place to another so Mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of reasons I think since we've opened a lot of people now talk about that no fracking way this has been something that that we wanted to do even before there were those ingredients available Um, and some of our original beers were conceptualized to use local ingredients that we could get so our original Shagbark Pilsner was made with organic corn grits that we got from Shagbark Seed and Mill here in Athens. Our Saison du Poisson, which we've had around since the beginning and was actually the very first beer that we brewed, was made with organic Ohio spelt. Unmalted, it was one of those ingredients that we could get and incorporate right off the bat without having the, the beer-centric specialized ingredients, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. available at the time. And I think it's going to proceed even faster than it has. But, you know, now we can get some of those ingredients. And I think, you know, in a couple of years, we'll be able to get a lot of those ingredients. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And, and speaking to the style of beer that you guys brew here, I mean, that's that's a very Belgian thing anyway. You know, I mean, right. yeah. from a standpoint of having it all around you. And even though Ohio's not really known for growing a lot of those ingredients, it's cool to be... Yeah. attempting to make it that way and I think there's some endeavors all over the state to try to get it to where we've got a lot of locally sourced ingredients for beer. Yeah. Another thing that we're trying to work into our whole vision from the beginning to actually be growing a small portion of ingredients here on our land that will go into the beer. We have like 64 hop vines oh, right yeah, now. I can see we've got a hop trellis system that will grow. Uh, it'll at least like double or triple with time. We've got some fruit trees in and we've got some apple trees that have been here since before we got here. We've got fruit, we've got plums, plumcots, peaches, sour pie cherries. Next spring, I really want to put in some grapes because I'm personally very interested in 
these sort of hybrid like sour ale with grape style beers. Right. Um, yeah, that's cool. With the grape so kind of stuff. Yeah. We ha we have a very small amount, but what we'll be able to do with our land is to do you know very small runs of beer that we're going to kind of call estate beers that will have ingredients just from this property. So we already released estate number one that had apple cider pressed into a barrel of saison from the apples from our property, and we only had like 200 bottles, but it was really sweet. Yeah, yeah. it was a great cool. beer. And then it allows people that are out on the property to really get a visual and tactile feel of, of what we're doing. So the agricultural space will be sort of tied in with all of our recreational space outside too. Yeah, That's just cool. like the uh, how the inside is tied to the industrial equipment aspect of the brewing. Wherever you're at here, you're tied in with the brewing and the beer that you're drinking. Got a beer here called uh, Notes from the Understory, and this was our pawpaw beer for this year's pawpaw festival, which happened September 16th through 18th, I think it was. And yeah, I guess we could talk about the the pawpaw fruit and the pawpaw yeah, festival almost, a little bit. Yeah, it's almost uh, mandatory if you're in Athens to sure. make a pawpaw beer, isn't it? it yeah. Is. yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a guy named Chris Schmiel, and he is actually one of our county commissioners right now. Um, but he's been a champion of the pawpaw fruit for a long time. It's an indigenous tree, and it has a fruit, and it grows in the sort of canopy of the forest around here. A lot of people liken it to a tropical fruit, like a mango mm -hmm. or a banana. Kind of like a mango-banana yeah. hybrid. Yeah. 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 I learned this year that it is pollinated by the common housefly or the blowfly because it has sort of the flowers sort of have a rotting meat smell so oh, that's lovely that's a nice touch uh, that yeah. is <laughs> but anyways no rotting the meat smell the pawpaw festival beer, the i yeah. think it's been going on for 13 years now a while uh, yeah yeah it's or been maybe a while, or yeah. maybe longer the pawpaw festival happens every year for a long long time i don't know if it's since the first year of the festival but they have had pawpaw beer there i believe it was chris and kelly sauber who was at the time at marietta brewing company they worked together to formulate you know, what may have been the first, like, commercial pawpaw beer recipe, um, okay. although I'm sure it must have been used by some pioneer types back in the day, but uh, they, they made a pawpaw beer together. Since then, they've been getting more and more uh, Ohio brewers involved in the, in the brewing one for the festival. Chris has a pawpaw pulping and de-seeding machine. And so There's what, a lot of seeds in a pop-up. Yeah, there, there are, are. There are. And uh, it has this sort of like pudding-like yellow, fleshy fruit substance. It's almost like, uh, it looks like baby food inside. <laughs> like a yeah. Chris basically buys pawpaws from all these people that will just go out in the woods and forage them and bring them back. And then he processes them and uh, freezes the pulp. And that's a sellable product to breweries or restaurants. Um, I guess he's got a lot more demand than supply these days. Uh, it's been a couple bad so, years for pawpaws. Yeah, but also people are just getting more and more interested in them. So anyways, uh, I don't know how many pawpaw beers there were at the festival this year. Like, Well, less this year. So like... I think this year was the first year since they had started where they allowed non-pawpaw beers in uh, by virtue of the fact that they were running out of the pulp. So I, th I think half of the beers were pawpaw beers and, and half were not, whereas last is, year it was all. you know, it's good because, you know, I like to drink a pawpaw beer, but I do not like to drink pawpaw beers all day long. Oh, yeah. It's just like... Yeah, 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 yeah I can but see that. 
Well, I'd say this is one of the better ones I've had. I mean, it's pretty good. And uh, I know you're talking about the freezing of it. And uh, those of us that live in Ohio know that the shelf life on a pawpaw, once it is ripe, is very limited. Yeah, yeah. it's a very <laughs> soft fruit. And there's really, when it's ripe, it's just soft and mushy. And it's just, you know, you got to eat it right then. Yeah. So. And it's not, right. it's not yeah. good before it's ripe either. It's, no, mean, it's kind of it, hard and pale yellow. And uh, yeah, it's got a short window. Yeah. But it's got, I like it. It's got the pawpaw fruit, but it's not overwhelming. There's a lot of the... Uh, kind of spicy phenolics here and then it, the finish dries out yeah really nicely um this beer is actually a blend between a barrel-aged pop-up beer that we did about a year ago and a fresh pop-up beer ended up with uh i don't know i, I like how it turned out yeah, yeah so, i mean funky um, but not too cool. funky exactly i think it's got like some of the brett character that you yeah. get from our bottled beers but makes it it makes that accessible to people who might only know our beer from our draft yeah it's got a lot of those other flavors in it it's real mellow it's just like a really nice bread pawpaw beer. Mm -hmm. I, I, one time i heard uh, somebody say uh, i think it was in this book about a brew like a monk i don't know if you guys have ever read that by stan Harun. oh yeah hieronymus i think is how you say his name but it's like if, if you if you can identify the spice in the beer it's too much and, you know, I, I yeah. think you can tell this is Pawpaw's because I know it was coming. But if I just walked up to the bar and right. they handed me a glass of it, I'm, I'm not sure I would nail it right away that it was a Pawpaw beer. Yeah. Do um, you think that's fair? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think that was kind of one of the things, the beers that I've had that have a lot of Pawpaw, even if the numbers-wise they're dry, the Pawpaw sort of has like a cloying, funky mm. sweetness to it. Yeah. What I tried to do with the fresh beer uh, portion of this beer was to sort of work with a lower amount of pawpaw, but to emphasize like the tropical character through both the yeast strain, just being a Saison, it has some tropical mm. and big fruity notes, a pretty moderate to low amount of pawpaw, and then dry hopping it with tropical hop from New Zealand called Waiiti, W-A-I-I-T-I. -I oh. -I. oh yeah, okay, so, yeah. Working with some different ingredients to up the tropicalness of the beer without using a whole hell of a lot of pawpaw was cool. the idea. Actually, I'm just about to bottle a pawpaw homebrew. A couple of years ago, I had the Jackie O's pawpaw hefeweizen. Not the pawpaw wheat, but the pawpaw hefeweizen. I really liked it. I have a buddy, Ted, who's got a pawpaw tree in his mm -hmm. backyard. So it's like, well, let's, let's make a hefeweizen. Let's put the pawpaws in. So, you know, we were going to put them in secondary. We're waiting, waiting. I'm like, Ted, he's like, they're not ready yet. They're not ready yet. And then like one day, he's like, Oh, all my pawpaws are gone. I go, what do you mean? <laughs> Where's my pawpaws? It's like, I don't know. I woke up this morning. They're all gone. And then Hans came through. He's like, oh, I, I can right. get you some pawpaws. So the yeah. next day, like a, ba a backpack full of pawpaws showed up on my front porch when I came home from work. And yeah, so. I don't think we'll tell on air where that indisclosed location <laughs> is because uh, he might kill us. But there's... There's quite a grove somewhere in Columbus. But we'll, we'll, we'll Very see. cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. Oh, well, um, I'm going to just interject. Uh, <laughs> I I came up with that Pawpaw Hefeweizen and Jackie O's. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> yeah. so that was an awesome and it was like, like the best yeah. Pawpaw beer and I've ever was, had. And it was the same idea. It's like Pawpaw has like banana-y character. Like right, let's yep. use a banana-y yeast to sort of bump that, you know. Oh, that's get awesome. Get a sort of synergy of flavors. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, really nice. works. That's yeah. been our longtime favorite for a while. I mean, as like kind of... I don't know, I've had a lot of pawpaw beers over the years where I've said, 
this is a great example of why you do not use this fruit in beer. <laughs> but that was yeah. one that we both really took exception to. Yeah. Uh, I think we were over at uh, Studio a, 35 at one of the afternoon beer tasting beer. Yeah. things on Sundays. We were like, man, now, hey, that's really cool. now we've got a reason to use the pawpaw in a beer. And I think, man, you captured it again. This yeah. is a really Thanks. good beer. And yeah, I mean, you know, props to Brad and Jack Yus for letting me to, uh, you know, play around so much at the pub because that was like a really formative time for me as a brewer. Cool. Let's see, this is, so this is our uh, latest bottle. We are particularly proud. We talked a lot about the farmhouse ales. Another one of our passions is sour. And this is our first true sour. We're real proud of it. There we go. Oh, here it comes, buddy. <laughs> Look at this. Warming up. Yeah, it's our first true barrel-aged sour, I would say. I mean, we, you know, there's the side of kettle sours or straight, like, lactic fermentations before you put your ale yeast. And Which are great and all. And we this like beer is called too. Maker of Things. Maker of Things. Maker of Things. And it's yeah. it's a Flanders red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, so good. It smells so good. It's a tip of the hat yeah. to all kinds of creators in any medium. We we dabble in beer, Cheers. but there we enjoy art and food and, and yeah. all that. Yeah, I mean, there's this lovely place in life where art and craftsmanship really blend together. I think that's kind of where beer stands, and, and there's so many people that we want to give credit to that, that have uh, a hand in making our beer. I mean, you know, we're handed these raw materials that are fantastic. These people take pride in their craft, and they, they give it to us. And then there's everything like the, you know, the beautiful labels that go in, into the bottles that we have. And just all these different ways that, you know, people tap into almost like a, I, I hate to get all spiritual, but, you know, I mean, for real, like, you know, the, the essence of the universe they're creating with their hands, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. So that's where the name comes from. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's well, it's a, a great beautiful idea. beer. Yeah, it's a beautiful beer. Yeah. And just as we're, like, supporting the people who are growing the, like, craft ingredients that we have, like Sean said, there's so much more of it that also supports our business that we in turn support. And I think our labels from Just a Jar are like a really good example of that. We feel that their art and our beers are just like a perfect marriage. And Well, that's an important part of it. I mean, yeah. the, the whole package matters. And if you yeah. are really deficient in one aspect of it, you can have a great beer on the inside. And, and But if you have a label that does not convey that, I mean, yeah. it matters in the marketplace. I think they really compliment yeah. the bottle. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many places that do just awesome label artwork or yeah. awesome graphic design, label design. Some of it's really simple, but it looks beautiful, and um, it kind of sets the stage for your expectations. Yeah. Let's talk about so people can know what it's about. I mean, let me get my nose out of the glass yeah. for yeah. a minute because the sure. acidity is like right where you'd want it. I mean, it's beautiful. Mm. It's, uh, it very much reminds me of being in Belgium. I remember being very inspired by Rodenbach, not Grand Cru, but just the regular old Rodenbach. For me, that was personally like my single entry-level sour beer that just like blew my mind. It's a great uh, comparison. Such a great beer. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, well, there's a ton of wonderful Flanders red beers out there, but um, this one is kind of our interpretation of that. Um, we age it in the, in the oak fooder that we got from Fooder Crafters of America. Another Brand new, craftsman. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Which is beautiful, by the way. Yeah, for sure. What they a do. nice piece of equipment. 
yeah, they do beautiful work and it's a, it's a functioning piece of artwork. We've got elements of sourness, we've got Venice sort of fruitiness and, and dark fruits built from, yeah. from both the malt and the esters and the acidity and uh, there's, there's the oak. So, you know, you, you get really whiny with these beers mm. in a good way. Yeah. On a Flanders Red, there's a fine line between this beautiful balsamic taste and then going too far on the vinegar, yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing when you're making yeah. a beer, it's not that easy to hit the mark. Yeah, acetic acid is the vinegar character that you're right. talking about. Right. I'm personally not a very big fan of acetic acid. I mean, to a to a small percentage in a sour beer, it can be really nice, but like the Grand Cru Rodenbach, Rodenbach Grand Cru has a lot of acetic acid, and, and to me, it's too much. But it's a world-class beer. It's just too much... For my personal taste, we're looking to more hit the clean lactic sourness on this. Yeah. Maybe element of acetic. What uh, kind of what yeah, kind of it's bugs got do a you? Bit, but not too much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. What yeah. kind of bugs do you use on this one? Yeah. So um, there's there's pedio, there's lacto, there's different breads. Um, okay. It's a Flemish ale blend from East Coast East, and then we've also dumped into the fooder many different lovely bottles that we've had where we're just like oh yeah that's great let's okay. dump in. a little of that oh, in there okay. Okay. Um, that's a good so idea. just kind of inoculating that fooder and making it a little more complex how long does it have to spend in the fooder probably 10 months in wood, in wood and um, it was you know a, a clean beer before that and then it spent 10 months in wood with the inoculants been a couple months in the bottles and as we continue to keep this beer going i think that the average age of the beer is going to increase all the time we left one third of the beer back in the fooder so then you've got a 10 month beer being blended in with another two thirds of young beer and so that's a very belgian-esque yeah um so yeah we'll see how long we can keep that holding pattern for that uh, strategy may or may not work out for us but that's what we're going to try as well balanced as I think this ended up, it was a huge adventure. Like it started with our old ale, the Acairn, mm-hmm. which started in the fooder to absorb the tannins of that virgin oak. That's what was a third of this right now, what, what we're tasting. You know, we called that beer the Acorn or Acairn because it was really the start or the seed of these sour beers that that we're going for this one here is really in a way you can think of it as as like the progression of a series of beers or the life cycle of the brewery where can people get this because you know especially our listeners who don't live in athens what should they look for i think our next delivery day for columbus is maybe like the 21st okay and you'll probably see it at places like Kenny Road Market, Cornerstone, Palmer's Beverage, maybe. Yeah, Palmer's. Yeah. Land Grant, Land Grant. Maybe. maybe <laughs> Do you sell you, bottles at Land Grant? Absolutely. All right, uh, man. I'd say this, All right. we, we, this will get in the case. All right. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that'd be lovely. Now, um, when you come to the tap room, there's a there's a pretty diverse set of things on the menu from farmhouse ales to old ales to IPAs to gin... <laughs> ginger ale I don't know yeah but uh, in the package beer format what I mean it's mostly been the farmhouse the kind of a sour style is that what people should expect going forward yeah and is that accurate yeah uh, so um, Both, yes I, I think uh, we might have touched on it earlier the mixed fermentation is gonna be pretty much our package stuff okay a lot of that has to do with cross-contamination with the clean beers 
Also, the bottle conditioning, I think, adds a lot sure. to it, sure. to that style. So um, it ends up being a really great format. Um, our fresh beers will pretty much stay on draft until we, I mean, I don't know, like maybe in the far future we'll, we'll figure out a packaging for that. Okay. Um, I'm not really too concerned personally with uh, trying to like bottle or can. Um, it's, yeah. There's a certain economy of scale you have to hit to, uh, to make that really worthwhile. And then, you know, I'm a worrier, man. I don't want to worry about the IPA that's going out there becoming oxidized or becoming uh, infected because of things that we may have done or because it's being stored badly in someone else's shop. With the uh, Brett beers and the farmhouse beers, you're sort of like building in your own insurance package. They really survive pretty well at room temperature. Yeah. They, for years, you know, yeah. um, they're they meant can, to age. Yeah, Absolutely. they can they can age for a while. You know, cellar temperature is best, but you know, the, as long as you don't abuse them, they're going to be all right. I, you know, who knows? I mean, it it does. You know, sometimes I do see uh, another brewery's cans, and I'm like, damn, that looks good. I'd love to. <laughs> I, love I would love to drink my own beer out of a can at a music festival. <laughs> yeah. but. Jimmy, you know any music festival, we got you covered. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> you, know. you guys treat yeah. me right. And, and then on the other side, like you were saying, like we do have a lot of styles on tap. That's really just because like we have a wide palette. Um, I love Belgian beers and I love farmhouse sales, but like I cannot drink them all the time. I need, sure. I need variety. We brew um, it all. Yeah. yeah, I love lagers, hoppy beers, we love stouts. And so we, we can do whatever we want with the draft selection and feel pretty good about it moving quickly and it's not going to be stored on a warm shelf for six months, you know. And, and, we're, and we're really fastidious about cleaning and keeping um, any cross-contamination from happening even on the draft side. It's just le- right it's less to worry about, basically. Yeah. And we do take a lot of pride and we do a lot of forethought into, like what our draft selection looks like so that there's a little bit of something for everybody you know if you're into dark beers if you're into light beers if you're into hoppy beers if you're into saisons and all that i mean it's all on our board we're about to add eight more taps so that we can complete our selection the way that that we think that it should be like right now our board is maybe a little lacking in some of the barrel age stuff that that we take the most pride in so we're adding more taps to keep that on at the tap room but also the other stuff that we do like the seltzer and and how many taps will you have once that uh, you add the eight i think it's 21. okay wow that that should that's enough selection to me just about any taste that's great yeah i think so Hey, where did the name Little Fish come from? Well, apparently, just like Land Grant, we uh, didn't get our first choice in names. In but we got end, our best choice. Yeah, exactly. In the yeah, end, I think it was the name that like suited us. And really, um, what it means to us is sort of what we were talking about with like craftsmanship and locality and sustainability is that we are very much not looking to be the biggest brewery. Our goal is to brew really great beer. And so being a little fish is is really, it's what makes us happy. Cool. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, being a little fish in a big pond of very qualified craft yeah. brewers that we really respect and we celebrate and we love the fact that we're part of something bigger than us and uh, we're not yeah we're not here to take over the world some of our favorite businesses whether they're in brewing or bakeries or 
any type of industry are, are smaller folks that really concentrate on quality and um, maybe have a different path to success than just growing and growing and growing. Sure, right on. No ties to the band fish though, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, uh, yeah, I used to get that question a lot. Is it little fish with a pH? Well, I have to say that Saison du Poisson is probably in my top five beer names of, of all beers uh, in the <laughs> yeah. world, really. I, I, the way it rolls off your tongue and then the literal meaning of it is uh, pretty good. Thank yeah. you. Uh, season of the Fish. Season of the Fish, right. That's right. You guys ever play Donovan music in the, in the tap room? You know? <laughs> it, it, I think it is happening. We do a second, we do a, we've had a couple psychedelic nights. And, uh, uh, well, hey, I think... Uh, Think that's maybe a wrap, huh? Yeah, that's a wrap, Fantastic. guys. All thank right. you so much for hey. being on. Really appreciate it, taking the time, and uh, our pleasure. It's absolutely our pleasure yeah. to sit here with you guys in what is a beautiful setting here down on the farm of Little Fish. If you haven't been down here, you definitely need to come down here and check this out. Cheers, yeah. cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much for for coming down here. And, uh, we had a lot of fun on the show. So. Right on. Right yeah. on. Come down anytime. Okay.